And where are the best? Well, not in politics, that's for sure. Times have changed, Germanus. Once politics was the only way our young men could climb out of the slums. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. I mean, if I don't know what you're up to, and if I, if I don't holler and scream when I think you're doing it wrong, and if I just mind my own business and don't vote or care, then I just get what I deserve. In the name of democracy, let us all unite! So Andrew is telling me it's five after, so maybe we can officially start, and hopefully more people will call in. All right. <laughs> okay. So I will officially start this um, by saying, first of all, you know, welcome to everybody who is participating in the call, and certainly welcome to those who might be listening to this at a later time. Um, it's Tuesday, September 24, 2019, um, and this is the first of Hudson Valley Green Party's Meet the Candidates series, and. Tonight we are meeting with Janice Lambert, that's L-A-M-B-E-R-T, who is seeking Green Party candidacy for President of the United States. And we really thank Dennis for being here and kicking us off. So just reminding everybody that this call is being recorded and it will last about an hour. After its conclusion, um, our live listening participants on tonight's call are invited to, after they get out of this call, to immediately call back the regular um, Hudson Valley Green Party conference call number, and we can have a brief meeting afterwards. Okay, so as I said, I'm facilitating tonight's conversation with Dennis Lambert. Uh, my name is Barbara Kidney. I serve as chair of Hudson Valley Green Party, and I'm also a member of the state committee of the Green Party of New York, and I am a member of the um, Green Party, National Green Party's incipient elders caucus. <laughs> Hudson Valley Green Party is an affiliate chapter of GPNY and is comprised of registered greens in Dutchess, Orange, and Ulster counties in New York. And we can be reached via email at HudsonValleyGreenParty at gmail.com. Um, next order of business is just outlining the format of tonight's event. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the brief uh, intro from those who are listening. And then Dennis will have up to 10 minutes to introduce himself and his campaign policies and so on, followed by no more than 25 minutes for Dennis to respond to six questions that we of Hudson Valley Green Party have given to him in advance. And then we will allow at least 15 minutes, hopefully more, for spontaneous questions and provocative, insightful remarks and comments from the listening audience, followed by a two or three minute wrap up by Dennis. Assuming there's no questions about that, I'll just move on by asking people to introduce themselves. I'll, I'll give you, um, I'll call your name going by alphabetical order, my first name, and um, just briefly introduce yourself and say what you want to say about why you're on the call very briefly. So first up will be Andrew. Okay, Andrew Dalton, um, Canadian born actually, but uh, been in this country over half my long life. and. Um, I am 
hoping to hear something about, um, well, just everything that's down as questions. Next. All right. Um, so I'm Barbara. I've already introduced myself. Next up, we have um, Dave H., I believe. You want to in introduce yourself, please, Dave? Sure. Um, my name is Dave Heller. I live in Dutchess County. And, um, yeah, I'm just interested in the, you know, who is going to represent the Green Party. Okay. Now, um, also registered on this call is Dave G., but I don't think he's come in yet. So there's no Dave G on the call yet. And then we have Deb. Debbie, can you oh, please? Hi, uh, Debbie Borgonio. I'm uh, the current uh, co-secretary for Hudson Valley Green Party. I'm also a member of the Elders Caucus and a member of the web committee for New York State. And I'm here because um, we need to get some good people in office. Okay, so um, next up alphabetically, I think it's uh, Joe C. Hi, this is Joe Calabro. I'm the member at large, Hudson Valley Green Party, and I live in Hyde Park, New York, and of Roosevelt. Also registered on the call, we have um, Joe K. But I don't, is Joe K here? Okay, not yet. Missing in action. Um, then we have Margaret, who is here. Margaret, hi. can you please say hi? Margaret Human. A uh, member of the HV, uh, the Hudson Valley Green Party, and I live in New Paltz in Ulster County. I'm a member of the State Committee and the uh, Elders Caucus, and also a member of the Extinction Rebellion. Yay. All right. And then we have um, Richard was registered for the call, but I don't think he's here yet. So hopefully some of these folks will join in later. I think somebody did it in the middle of this. Um, was there anybody who came in and I didn't mention your name? Okay. I think that I think that's everybody. Whoops, here's somebody. Oh, we just okay. added one somebody. Okay. Hello. Who is this? Uh, Dave G signing on. Yay, Dave G. Um, so we just went through the initial introductions. Can you kindly introduce yourself, please? Uh, how much information do you want to know? I'm the delegate uh, to the state. The Green Party from uh, Dutchess County, one of two delegates from Dutchess County, and uh, I am a resident of the city of Poughkeepsie. Okay, and you're a proud member of Hudson Valley Green Party? Yes, I am. All right, and you often help out by taking the minutes for us. Alrighty. Anyone else who didn't get a chance? So I think we're on to the next format, which is like we, we turn it over to Dennis for 10 minutes, up to 10 minutes, and Dennis, you can please introduce yourself and say what you want to say about your candidacy. Thank you. Okay, uh, I'm Dennis Lambert. Uh, I'm running for president. I got a podcast to prove it. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I've been always interested in politics since I was a kid. Uh, the first time I really remember being interested in was 1984 when uh, Jesse Jackson ran for president. I was... Uh, the only kid in my entire elementary school when we did a practice election to vote for Jesse Jackson. <laughs> you know, I, I grew up, uh, my family's not very politically active. My dad uh, comes from a, a long line of Democrats, as does my, my mother's family. But when I turned 18, I went and registered as a Republican. Shortly after that, I uh, enlisted in the military and uh, served eight years in the Army and Army Reserves. Uh, but my stint with the Republicans lasted a lot, lot shorter than the uh, military service. Uh, by 1995, when uh, Newt Gingrich and the Republicans created that deal with America 
one of the uh, things that they did to balance the budget was put a hiring freeze on the VA, which caused a backlog in claims. I didn't realize how, how much of an impact it would have, but uh, it was at that point I decided I could no longer be a Republican, so I became independent. And uh, I was independent up until about 2008. I, I campaigned for Obama because I, I believed that uh, you know, change was possible, but after his first year, I, 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 I became disillusioned. So uh, at the same time, I was uh, studying to finish my bachelor's degree at uh, Ohio University. Uh, when I graduated in 2010, I reached out to the Republicans and Democrats and said I wanted to do something in my community to make a difference, and neither one of them got back to me. So I said, uh, we're living in a democracy, so I reached out to the Libertarians, the communists, the constitutionalists, and the Greens, and the Green Party got back to me and said, we're in a fight to uh, create a democracy in Ohio. We are trying to stay on the ballot, and we need people to run for office. Could you do it? So uh, I, I said, I don't know. I, I have to think about it. And uh, Logan uh, Martinez, who who's, uh, I was talking to, said, well, you need to... Uh, decide within two weeks because you got to get the signatures and turn them in in two weeks. So uh, two days later, I told Logan I would do it. I ran for office. Uh, I gathered the signatures. I turned them in. And uh, then the Democrats sent uh, two big city lawyers down from Columbus, Ohio, to challenge my candidacy. So uh, I fought them off and was able to stay on the primary ballot, got onto the general election ballot. I spent about $700 on that campaign and uh, made about $0.38 cents per vote. And I uh, got over 3% of the election. Um, I was just running for the state house at that time, so it was uh, kind of easy just running between three counties. But uh, then in 2014, I decided to run for Congress because I don't like my congressman. I still don't like him. Uh, but that, that was the uh, Ohio's 6th congressional district. Uh, once again, I ran a very lean campaign with no media coverage. I spent... Uh, I did raise some money on that campaign. Uh, my first campaign, I, I self-funded. Uh, my second campaign, I raised about four or five hundred dollars, and rest of it was self-funded. And I ended up once again getting over three percent of the vote. And I think I spent maybe seventy-eight cents yeah. per vote in that election. Um, at this time, you know, I'm I'm extremely frustrated with the situation that our government is in. Uh, both times I ran for office. I was able to influence the talking points of both the Democrat and the Republican. So I think if I can even provide just a little bit of influence in this election in 2020 with my platform, I think we can actually see some accomplishments uh, that would benefit the uh, the lower third of the, the, the population. You know, I grew up poor, one of uh, five kids raised by a single mother, so it wasn't easy. And that last week, growing up on food stamps, was the hardest week uh, to live through. So... I know how to live lean, I know how to survive lean, but uh, I also don't want that experience for the majority of Americans. Uh, so I, I believe that the government should uh, turn its policies from aiding foreign countries and, and invading foreign countries to actually providing support, uh, material and, and otherwise support to, directly to the citizens. Uh, I'd much rather see our taxes be paid for benefits that we directly see as opposed to billions of dollars missing off of pallets from uh, military bases overseas or or the continued funding of Saudi Arabia to attack Yemen and whoever other neighbors that they decide to I'm I'm anti-war um, I'm I'm a veteran who's anti-war and uh, 
part of my policy, my four part of uh, platform of my uh, campaign is the end all wars. Uh, that includes the war on drugs and the uh, war on women's reproductive rights. Uh, I would like to uh, see a Medicare for all program and improve Medicare universal health care that includes mental, dental, and hearing, as well as vision, not just uh, a regular health because our, our body as a whole, we need to take care of our body as a whole and the mind is part of that. The other parts of my platform are a renewable infrastructure investment, which uh, very complex. I'm about to put out a press release about all the details on that, so it's it's really complicated. But needless to say, I want to create a smarter, safer electrical grid. And the last part of my platform is a $25 an hour minimum wage, because I believe that our Workers are worth at least $25 an hour. Uh, it's a, a matter of respect and dignity for the worker. Uh, there's several studies that come out. One said that if uh, inflation had kept up with minimum wage, minimum wage would be at $18 an hour. And another one said if productivity had kept up with minimum wage, we'd probably be closer to $21 an hour. Uh, I believe $25 an hour is a, a very achievable position as well as uh, something that would help rebuild the middle class as it would be possible for many Americans across the country to have a one-income family so that uh, we don't have to deal with, uh, you know, children raising children when the parents can't afford health care or uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, poverty issues that go along with not being able to support yourself, you know, having to work multiple jobs or, or taking out loans just to be able to pay for medications. Uh, overall, I, I hope to encourage other people to run for office. Uh, as you know, I, if you look at the, uh, the numbers, statistically, I'm not the kind of person who runs for office. Somebody who's unemployed and grew up in poverty and is, uh, doesn't come from privilege. Uh, but I believe our, our democracy was built on treating everyone equal so that just because you have a big pocketbook does not mean that you're the right person to run for office. I think that's more than 10 minutes, is that? <laughs> I don't want to babble on too much. Yes, our, our timekeeper is saying you did just fine. <laughs> yeah, so um, thank you for that. I mean, I, I, it's awkward not being able to do applause well here in this format, but uh, you can imagine that we're all applauding. You at this point, Dennis. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, and you can't see the twinkle fingers either, so <laughs> it's all creative imagination. All right, so um, moving on to the next part of our um, event here, we'll have these um, questions that we've given to Dennis just a few days ago, and I guess I'll read them one by one, and then you can respond. I will ask Andrew to let us know, like maybe when we're about 15 minutes into this, um, so that we can all time what we're doing here but we're allowing up to 25 minutes. So question number one, I'm just doing this in a somewhat random order that they got written down. Um, how do you see yourself and or your platform as differing from all the other Green Party presidential candidate contenders? What, what unique ideas and strengths and or experiences do you bring to the table? I think uh, from talking to the other candidates, I think the biggest difference that I see between myself and the other candidates is uh, a Marxist viewpoint. I'm, I'm totally against decentralized uh, federal government. I, I, I think uh, the power needs to be down at the lower levels. 
Uh, and that's kind of why I have that platform for uh, investing in renewable energy and a more uh, locally based thing. I'm not looking at, at uh, providing you know, subsidies to corporations who already are making millions of dollars a year off of electrical generation. I'm talking about creating electrical generation uh, organizations and operations for small communities to be able to power their, their community. Uh, and I'm talking about a mixture of solar, wind, and hydrokinetic. Uh, in my experience, uh, when I ran in 2010, I looked into generating electricity off the Ohio River. And from Pittsburgh to Cairo, there's currently 28 dams and locks along the river. Only 19 of them actually generate electricity. And out of those 19, only two of them generate electricity for anything beyond the locks and dams. So knowing that the government, federal government spends a lot more money to maintain river traffic than it does to, spend, uh, to maintain highway traffic, uh, easily retrofitting uh, uh, hydrokinetic turbines uh, underneath the water, along bridges, on the dams, uh, could be an easy way to generate electricity for a lot of these communities. And uh, the issue of storage will be negated because the water is flowing 24-7. Uh, and if we use that a com combined with uh, the solar and wind, as well as uh, emerging battery uh, systems, uh, one of the ones I'm really interested in is uh, thermal, thermal exchange batteries, which seem to be, I mean, uh, seems to be a very easy, doable situation uh, using the current infrastructure and just slight modifications to existing systems. As far as uh, ideas and strengths uh, that I bring that are different from the others, uh, like I said, I grew up in poverty. I know what it's like not to have things, uh, to have to scramble and scratch and survive. Uh, that's, I think that's my unique experience, but um, I also uh, have uh, gone between a lot of different circles in my life. Uh, when I was in high school, I didn't hang out with just one group. I hung out with some jocks sometimes, and I hung out with the, the goth folks sometimes, and I hung out with the skaters at times, so I always traveled in between all the different circles, you know, I... I've met uh, George Carlin and Les Wexner, uh, Busy Bone and Jack Black. So I, I've, I've met rich and famous people, and I've hung out with uh, a lady who immigrated from India, and I helped her with her uh, citizenship test. So uh, I, I, I treat everybody fairly uh, and equally. Uh, despite their background or who they are. I mean, I, I, I believe that uh, that's the only way to, to treat people is the, you know, the golden rule, treat others how you would choose to be treated. And I decide my best way to treat people is uh, to be nice to them. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Um, I presume you're ready to move on to the next question. Oh, sure. sure. Okay. So this one is, if you are selected as the Green Party candidate for president, what would be your campaign strategy? Would you plan on visiting all 50 states, or would you be focusing on, or would you be avoiding the so-called swing states? Uh, I live in a swing state, <laughs> so I can't, I can't really avoid the state of Ohio. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, ideally, if I were to have you know, say $5,000 in my campaign account right now, I would fuel up my truck, throw in the sleeping bag, and just every 100 miles stop and campaign. Uh, 
I like meeting new people. I, I enjoy the adventure. I'm kind of a ho homebody to begin with, but I also like uh, going out and talking to people. And uh, I have a plan of uh, farms, factories, and fast food to uh, to campaign to these people because these are these are the working classes. And it used to be that uh, the the farmers were a, an easy get for the Democrats as well as uh, labor, but uh, since neither the Democrats or the Republicans seem to be directly supporting any labor initiatives. Uh, I think my biggest strength would be to, to reach out to the people who don't vote. Uh, and that's something I found out when I ran in 2010 was a lot of the people that I talked to when I was campaigning would say that, you know, I, I didn't think about voting this year, but since I talked to you, I, I think I want to go out and vote. So I think that's that's really my message is, is try to get more people involved because uh, a democracy without choice and without participation is really not a democracy, even if it is a representative democracy. We need to have more people voting so we know who the, our representatives are actually representing the needs of those who are in the greatest need. Uh, I wouldn't avoid any swing states. I would love, I've never been to Hawaii or Alaska. I'd love to be out to either one. Uh, I've told California their primary is two days before my birthday, so hopefully I can get out there and celebrate my birthday and campaign out there in California before the uh, first primary of the year. But uh, I, I would love to go anywhere, everywhere that I, that I could. Uh, I've been to most of the M states this year so far. I just haven't hit Maine and uh, Montana yet. <laughs> but I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. And then next question. Where do you stand regarding the vaccination issue? Well, uh, I haven't been vaccinated myself in, in some time. I do believe uh, a lot of the science regarding vaccinations that they are helpful in preventing disease. Uh, I also do believe that uh, we are getting a little bit uh, over anxious with the, the multiple immunizations and uh, I, 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 I any new immunizations with suspect knowing how badly the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry has gotten into the government. Uh, but uh, you know I believe in science so I know that uh, you know, science proves that vaccines work for the majority of people. Um, can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So as a, a matter of public health, I, I don't think it's absolutely necessary that everyone uh, get every vaccination, but uh, I also don't believe that uh, we need to quarantine people because they don't have vaccinations. Informed consent, I think, would be the, the two-word answer uh, for my any question on immunization. We need to have uh, an educated public about what the vaccinations do, the side effects as well. And so it boils down to informed consent, whether or not people understand what uh, they can expect from vaccinations. Thank you. Our next question is a two-parter. <laughs> so here's the, um, the first part. Um, since you realize that you, will be not, that you will not be elected president in 2020, not me speaking, this is the writer of this question. <laughs> Since you realized that you will not be elected president in 2020, how will you use your campaign to move the national consensus further toward putting combating the climate crisis on an emergency footing? Details, please. 
And then this questioner, who is Margaret, would like to make a follow-up question after you initially address this. All right, thank you. It's necessary. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not delusional that uh, I would believe that I would win the election. However, my treasurer, uh, a great fan of science, said, uh, you know, in multiple universe theory, since you've already declared presidency, uh, you are a president <laughs> in some other universe. So I thought, well, that's great. <laughs> I'm already president, so the pressure is off. Uh, like I said, the major, one of the major parts of my campaign is the uh, investing in the renewable infrastructure. Uh, I explained a little bit of it uh, before. I mean, it's really complex, and I'm de delving into agricultural as well, as well to uh, rotate crops as well as uh, have hemp as cover crop because uh, science has borne out that uh, one acre of hemp takes in as much carbon as four acres of forest. Uh, and I just recently saw a video of a, a scientist in, in Britain who was using hemp to create a, a battery and shown that the uh, impedance over amperage was higher than that of carbon nanotubes and lithium batteries. So uh, I'm really excited about the prospect that uh, we can grow our own batteries at uh, one seventeen thousandth of the cost of graphite tubes or graphene tubes. Uh, a little bit about my history uh, as far as environmentalism, and this is why I, I chose to run as a, a green uh, all these times, is my uh, Eagle Scout project. Uh, you know, I, I, I live in Ohio, but I grew up in the hills of West Virginia, and I, I used to run the hills and try to figure out what the, the plants were, and I had a big big man crush on Davy Crockett and Simon Kenton and Daniel Boone, you know, uh, guys who went out in the woods and learned how to, to survive and thrive. So I tried to educate myself as much uh, about nature as possible. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed a lot of uh, learning through the Boy Scouts, but when it came time to do my Eagle Scout project, uh, I didn't know what to do uh, until uh, I decided, you know, we don't really have a recycling program here in my community. So I'm going to educate my community at how important recycling would be. So I developed a, a flyer and worked with uh, my troop as, uh, as well as two other Boy Scout troops to uh, pass that information around the community. We had a, uh, a day in the mall where I set up a booth and educated people that you know, a disposable diaper will last in the landfill for 50 to 70 years and just tidbits like that. So, uh, and when I came back to uh, Ohio to finish my bachelor's degree uh, just about 10 years ago. Uh, I worked with a couple other students and we implemented a, a recycling program at Ohio University's southern campus and in that uh, first year we saw a reduction of about 24 tons of paper waste and the second year we saw a reduction of about 18 tons and then when we were asked about that uh, we told them yeah, and this is borne out by the facts but we, at the same time we implemented the recycling program, the university uh, started a paper reduction program. So uh, not only we, were we reducing the, the landfill waste from just paper waste, but we were eliminating tons of waste, period. Uh, this is something I always point, point out to people as far as th this renewable infrastructure thing that I'm, I'm saying is that we can reduce our energy costs, make it cleaner and safer, as well as creating a, a safer electrical grid that's free from incursion by the foreign entities that uh, have interest in hurting us. 
and it actually will uh, create more wealth in the community if people are paying less for their electric bill because uh, the the community has paid off the windmill or the turbine or the solar panels uh, within five years then the community can also reduce their tax burden ar across the community and possibly sell off electricity to the companies in, in the area. Uh, I know a lot of states have adopted uh, renewable energy targets. Uh, unfortunately, our state uh, under Kasich uh, repealed a lot of those renewable energy targets. Uh, but, uh, and the current administration <laughs> doesn't have any uh, idea about uh, clean, safe energy. Um, but uh, that as part of my campaign, uh, and as I said, I, I hope to publish a I'm, I'm working on my Medicare for All uh, program right now, and it's three pages, and I just started working on, on the renewable infrastructure, all the details, and I, it looks like it may end up being five or ten pages long, but uh, it reaches into a lot of different areas, and I think it would affect every person in the United States in some, some manner, even the people living in the bigger cities. Uh, what, where this is more focused on rural areas, uh, you know, this could affect the, the larger cities as well. Fifteen minutes. I, 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 Fifteen minutes has gone by. We have another ten. Okay. Uh, and beyond that, uh, uh, you know, just running as a green automatically, I think, draws some attention to people about environmental issues. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, we have 10 minutes left. We have two more questions, but Margaret, did you have a, a follow-up question you wanted I, to ask? I just wanted to point out that I, I put the first clause of that question because I'm interested in how he will, uh, not, you know, not what policies he could do if he became president, but how he's going to influence uh, other, other people to do uh, and you have said you've, you've, you've influenced talking points in both parties uh, and you feel that just, just running as a Green with your policies has influenced their talking points? Yeah, well, not only that, but uh, when I talk about uh, the renewable infrastructure, I, I, I let people know this, this is about uh, economic reform and democratizing the dollar, making you know, money more available to, to the common man uh, or woman. Uh, and that really gets people's interest when we, we focus on the economic impacts of changing over to renewable energies as well as taking serious the, the climate crisis. Uh, when I ran in 2014, one of the things that they talked about was uh, the uh, floodplain insurance out in Marietta. And from researching that, that problem, I, I found that uh, the government often pays the same people 5, 10, 15, 20 times without making them uh, move their property out of the floodplain. So uh, we know that these issues are going to be directly impacting smaller communities more frequently with the, the climate change, the increased flooding, fires, and other ecological damages. So if I can relate it to a, a fiscal issue to that community, I think that makes a lot bigger impact than just saying the sky is falling. Thank you. All right, so You're next welcome. question is, um, this is uh, the penultimate question here. If selected as candidate, what would you do to bring about an end to the U.S. military-industrial war machine? And if you were elected president, um, same question, what would you do? Uh, I have been campaigning on ending the wars uh, since uh, 2010. Um, 
I believe it is my duty as a veteran to try to help my, my fellow veterans as well, and I think the best way that we can support our troops uh, is to bring them home. Uh, uh, it's part of my platform to, to end all wars. As president, uh, one thing I would do would, would immediately try to draw down as many troops as we could from all these other countries. I think we're our military is currently in 140-some countries. Uh, uh, I would also like to see us close many of our overseas bases, knowing that uh, they're not really much of an influence on the, the communities where there are, for example, Germany and England. Uh, mostly we're using those as stops, stopovers for uh, trips to the Middle East. Uh, I would like to uh, tell Congress to, you know, to let's get rid of the Patriot Act, uh, let's get rid of these war power acts for the war on terrorism. Um, and I would generally, genuinely love to, to sit down with world leaders and try to repair the relationships that have been damaged over the last few years, as well as try to build new bridges uh, with our, our former allies and former enemies. Uh, the only way we can have peace is to begin talking about peace and I think that's the, the best message to, to begin ending the wars is to start talking about peace. And once again, if we tie it to the economics of the situation, people don't want to be spending their money to uh, kill our best and brightest overseas, mm -hmm. as well as other people's best and brightest. All right. Um, so um, moving on to the last prepared question. In what ways would you like to see the, um, the National Green Party, or GPIS, improve itself so that it is truer to its own stated values, the four pillars and the ten key values? Uh, I would like to see more Greens running. I would like to see more of the state parties uh, providing either training or educational uh, materials or events to, to reach out to the communities. Uh, one of the things I, I spoke about, uh, I think, at the national meeting was, it was getting Greens to go out to prison releases and and handing people the voter registration there when they get out and say, hey, look, we know you're getting out of a tough situation. Here, register to vote. Uh, here's what the Green Party stands for. Hopefully you'll vote for us in the future. If not, we know that uh, we got another person who's registered who's interested in, in politics. Uh, now, w with, the, uh, with the patchwork of uh, voter suppression laws across the country that uh, prevents some felons from voting and others not. Uh, it's going to be tougher in some, some instances, but uh, I get here in Ohio, as long as you're not in jail, you can vote. Uh, I would like to see a lot more outreach from, from the Green Party and, and just trying to get uh, more positive attention because uh, I mean, a lot of people tell me, well, the, the Green Party's uh, an automatically mar uh, automatic marketing tool for your campaign, and I, uh, you know some people think of the Green Party as just the spoiler for Democrats. So uh, while you know that's not the the key marketing term we want to hit, but certainly the 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 the, uh, the ten key values as well as the four pillars uh, will reach a lot of people if we frame it in arguments that they can understand without trying to talk over people's heads. Uh, I, I believe in, in unity. You know, we're stronger together than we are apart. And um, we really need to, to strive to not only work with our, our friends, but uh, 
try to work with our enemies. Uh, compromise seems to be a very dirty word, uh, but if we uh, if we stick to our beliefs and are, are strong and firm in our values, then we can get people to come to us. I mean, people are already hungry. Over 60% of the, uh, the population are, are registered independents. So we need to start reaching to those independent people and let them know that it's not just Ralph Nader and Jill Stein. It's people in your neighborhood are active as Greens. It, and they're active as Greens because they, they, just like you, are disillusioned with the Democrats and the Republicans. And if you join the Greens, then you could be that next generation that pushes our country in the right direction, helps our new leaders, our, our next generation of leaders to come up and have an actual democracy where we're equally represented. All right. Well, well thank you very much, Dennis. You can exhale now if you'd like. And, <laughs> and that just took 23 out of the 25 allotted minutes. Well, well done. <laughs> Well, I used to work at a radio station, so I'm, I'm, I'm an NTV station, so I'm kind of used to counting time in my head. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that helps. <laughs> okay, so um, the next um, segment is um, just taking um, stack, and um, and then the final segment will be, you know, a brief wrap up. Um, we're going to allow 15 minutes. Um, is that what we have, timekeeper? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have 15 minutes for for this next thing. So um, please don't be shy. If you have a question or comment for Dennis, please just shout out your name and say the word stack, and I'll write it down. Dave Heller. Okay, I've got Andrew and I've got Dave Heller. Anybody else at the moment? All right, so I will take stack again later, but to keep it moving, um, let's uh, start with these two people. So Andrew. Well, not, not a question really, just a comment. Uh, Dennis, I don't know how um, uh, much you've been noticing greens in other countries, um, but just to give hope, you know, that if, if we just can get a few greens elected here, there, or, or wherever, um, in the province of British Columbia, there were three greens um, who were elected to the provincial legislature, and it's those three Greens, uh, long story short, that are keeping the pipeline from the Alberta Athabascan tar sands from reaching the coast and Pacific ports in Canada. Just three Greens are doing that. Sometimes it doesn't take a big number. No, no, actually, uh, you'll find you're most uncomfortable when you have a small pebble in your shoe than when you're walking around on gravel. <laughs> yeah, I've actually been following quite a few uh, Canadian as well as English uh, Greens. Uh, having the uh, same language makes it a little bit easier. Uh, I have been following some of the Green activity in, in Germany as well. Uh, and I, I wish we could uh, copy a lot of their successes, but uh, one thing we got to do is start hammering the mainstream media to, to cover our candidates. and letters to the editor and getting in their face about, uh, you know, being the actual fourth estate and holding the politicians accountable for their actions. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see a future where, you know, we see uh, maybe a third of Congress being green and we actually see effective legislation that mitigates a lot of the climate issues that we're having. 
Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you. And Dave Heller, you're next. Yes. Um, now, you have mentioned that uh, the Greens get blamed for, you know, stealing votes from the uh, Democrats and, uh, you know, blaming Jill Stein and Ralph Nader for both uh, Bush and Trump. Uh, and you did mention that you're you're going to target people that don't vote. And uh, I think that's all great. Uh, however, I think it's upon, you know, we need to really get the message out about the uh, ability to use ranked choice voting, um, which would eliminate the whole spoiler effect and allow people to vote for who they want. Um, and I think we as the Green Party, every candidate should make that part of their, not just platform, but it should be part of the discussion uh, on their campaign. It should be in the campaign literature that that's what we want. And, um, you know, to force, the, to force the, the Democrats, you know, like in New York State, it should be the Democrats could implement ranked choice voting tomorrow if they wanted to, because they have they have the assembly, they have the senate, they have the governorship, uh, but the establishment doesn't want it because they'd rather blame the Greens and actually, you know, and so there's that for single seat districts and also uh, single transferable vote and let's have multi-seat districts that we could actually get some Greens into office. Uh, will you do that and can you explain oh. trace voting? Uh, I absolutely do support ranked choice voting as well as uh, instant runoff voting. Uh, any opportunity for people to be able to vote for every candidate they, they like, I support. Uh, and uh, as far as explaining ranked choice voting, I, as the best as I understand it, the more uh, success that we see from the, the states have instituted, the more likely that uh, other states will institute this. Um, but... Uh, as I understand, ranked choice voting is basically just uh, you have a ballot, you have a list of all the candidates who are available, and then you get to, to vote uh, for every candidate that uh, you want to vote for. Then there's an aggregation of the votes so that the, the plurality voting, uh, vote receiving uh, candidate will uh, become the winner. Um, I think that's that's it, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but it is essentially, uh, you get a well, depending on rank choice or or uh, instant runoff, you get to choose who your first vote goes to or your second vote. Uh, but instant instant runoff is is more you vote for every candidate uh, and just every candidate that you choose, and then the the uh, the the main vote getter wins. But and uh, in, in the rank choice you decide who gets your first, second, and third vote, and it's a little bit more complicated, but uh, it uh, it also, I think, uh, doesn't ranked choice have uh, uh, full preferential voting that you have to uh, decide uh, what rank of all the candidates that you wanted to, to, to rank them? Well, <coughs> instant, instant runoff voting is simply a single-seat version of, uh, you know, it's a single-seat version of ranked choice voting. So ranked choice voting in 
in instant runoff voting is ranked choice voting. But there okay. are there is a way to use ranked choice voting to if you delay have a three or five seat district and use ranked choice voting. So the voting would actually be the same where you rank the candidates first, second, third, fourth choice. However, you the 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 number of the number of candidates that actually win office is uh, more than one. So, you know, for example, in a three-seat district, you'd only have to get 25% of the vote to to win an office. So, um, you know, the the requirements right. are less, and also, like, you might get one Democrat, one Green, one Republican instead of two Democrats and a Republican. So it opens the door for, you know, smaller par small parties to to get a foothold, and it would break up the two-party system. Yeah, one thing I think we need to definitely uh, include in, uh, if we are advocating for uh, election reform is uh, to limit our uh, campaign time. I mean, uh, Trump started campaigning as, as soon as he got off the stage of taking the oath of office. Uh, mm -hmm. So... <laughs> And the the system that we have now just definitely it it benefits those who could raise the largest amount of money and get the most attention, and that's not always the best person for office. You know, the, the kid that's the kid that's throwing crayons at the back of the classroom is not the person who you should be electing to be class president. <laughs> uh, well, well, well said. <laughs> so, uh, just. Will you clarify, will you make that part of, you know, will you put that in your campaign literature? Will you make it part of your campaign stops to talk about ranked choice voting? Or will you just be, like, in the background? So Dennis, I think Dave is uh, waiting for your response. So I will, <laughs> I, will, I will put something on ranked choice voting in there. And if you would like, I, I would appreciate it if you want to send me an email about your, your opinions about it. And I would gladly include that into the uh, the website. I will do that. Thank you. I know what's going on. All right. So I guess it's um, time for for stack. Is there anybody? I'm going to put myself on. Is there anyone else? All right. Not at the moment. I will ask again. Um, well, if nobody else is, I'd like to go another time. Sure. Okay. So Andrew wants to get on stack again. So my um, my question is about taxation, Dennis. Um, I, I, one issue that we we face, I think, is that the standard deduction is like so abysmally low. It's like so 19th century. Um, yes. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm wondering how you feel about this. Myself, I tend to feel that only excess wealth should be taxed. And that um, you know, excess should be determined. You know, it's always going to be uh, you know a, a fudgy figure in a, in a sense, but should be determined by what it takes to live in your municipality, and you know, not be a, you know, to live a, a decent middle class life. You know, not high on the hog, but not just scraping by either. And so, for example, in this um, city of Poughkeepsie, which is here in the Hudson Valley in Dutchess, a recent newspaper article in the local newspaper was saying that for a family of four, 
that figure is $100,000. That's what it takes, you know, just to have, you know, decent, not high on the hog, but just in, in the middle class for a family of four. So to my way of thinking, you know, that should be the standard deduction. Um, I'm wondering how you feel about those kinds of issues. I've been doing tax preparation for uh, veterans and senior citizens for the last uh, four, five years. Uh, so I, I see how each time they change the tax law, how, how it impacts people directly. Um, I've been discussing this actually with the uh, Monetary Reform Committee of the Green Party, and they don't want to touch taxes at all. Uh, but one of the things I, I, I'm in support of is uh, no tax on uh, earned income below $20,000. Yeah. Um, I certainly agree that the, the uh, personal deductions are, are very important, and I think uh, uh, what was it? I, I saw a news story a couple of weeks ago that uh, some of the people that were hardest hit from uh, the elimination of the individual deduction from our federal tax return were uh, independent contractors, truck drivers, uh, because they're working as their own employee. Uh, in the past, they were able to take off a lot of different things from their taxes, be it uh, their meals or, or some additional transportation or repair expenses. Uh, and being somebody who knows a lot of people who live year to year for that tax return to be, I have I have some friends that uh, from uh, from high school. Is my sister's best friend and her husband. They had have three kids, and every year uh, around. Christmas time, they couldn't give their kids anything because they didn't have enough money to go around. So their Christmas would be sometime in March or April when the extra good uh, And really, that's uh, that that creates an exclusionary culture. Uh, certainly, our, our taxes are, are backwards, and the middle class and the poor are paying to support the the wealthy and corporations. Uh, I'm. I have a lot of thoughts on tax reform, and I could go on for hours, but mm -hmm. I think we're, we're running a little short, so I'll just cut it off there saying that, you know, I don't think that we should be taxing any earned income uh, below $20,000 a year, as well as uh, implementing my $25 an hour minimum wage. I think that would be the greatest boost to income for the middle class and the poor that we've seen since the industrial revolution. Okay. So... Um Andrew had a question. You were well, just a brief comment, because I think I've got two minutes left if we uh, stick to time. But um, on this issue of Medicare for all, um, growing up in Canada, but also living a couple of years in Germany, um, I I've seen what universal health care is like and what it can do. And I just cannot get over people do not have the imagination to, you know, realize what a difference it would make to their lives mm -hmm. if they could just have direct access to any medical care they needed or wanted without having to go through, well, are you covered by insurance? Uh, do you, um, uh, let's see, are you still on board with it? Blah, 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 blah. Um, you could be working, you could be going to school, you could be disabled, you could be just bumming around uh, if you lived in Canada or Germany, and you would get the same coverage as everybody else, and would that not be wonderful, folks? <laughs> I don't understand why I can't get that through to people. Yeah, I, I, I asked people who say that well, they're anti-socialist. I say, well, 
Look at the United States military. That's the most socialist organization in the world. Uh, everybody gets fed, everybody gets clothing, everybody gets health care. Uh, so, I mean, it, bottom line, if it's good enough for our troops, certainly it's good enough for the people. <laughs> All right. well, well, thank you so, so much, Dennis. I think we're about out of time for, for questions, so thanks to everybody who um, you know, participated by asking the questions and giving the comments. Um, I think it's been very fruitful. Okay, so we're up to the like two-minute wrap-up time. <laughs> All righty, uh, two-minute wrap-up. Uh, uh, I don't... Oh, you think I may be from the other candidates, but I, I, I truly believe that uh, uh, beyond just uh, our backgrounds, uh, the nuances are, are not as mountainous as they are between us and the Democrats and the Republicans, but there are, are some variations. And I, I think uh, regardless of, of who becomes our, our, our candidate, we should... Uh, you know, respect each other and support each other regardless. Um, my campaign and my life has always, well, my life in the last 10 years has definitely been dedicated, but my campaign is always dedicated to, to helping the less fortunate and those in need. I spent six years working with veterans, helping them find work or connecting them to resources in their community to help them overcome their individual barriers to self-reliance. And I've seen a lot of different uh, situations that people have come from, uh, from class differences to race differences to just where they grew up, uh, just being in a different location. Uh, so I think my, uh, my access and my, my history of, of reaching out and, and being with a lot of different communities as well as... Uh, Supporting a lot of nonprofits like the NAACP or the Ohio Valley Environmental Coalition, or uh, you know, I'm on a Memorial Day Parade committee here in Ironton uh, because I, I believe in, in supporting the community from the grassroots as well as uh, providing the guidance and and assistance that one can from a, a higher level in government. And unfortunately. Uh, we don't see a lot of that. Uh, I don't believe money is speech. Uh, money is a tool. And unfortunately, the, the ones who are the biggest tools have the most money. And that ends up ruining our elections. When, uh, when money is speech, then the poor have no voice. So I plan on dedicating my campaign as a, a poor person to, to helping the poor people, which in turn will, will help the, the middle class and I don't really care about the wealthy. They can do pretty well on their own. Uh, I, I, I believe that uh, you know, we need to, to bring our, our middle class and lower class up to a living standard that is what we are expected to. Uh, you know, growing up, I, I, I heard that uh, my generation and the are we running out of time, or you're breaking up there? Oh, is that me? Yeah. Um, I oh, think I'm you were breaking up. All right. Well, I'll just wrap it up then. Uh, I just want to say that, you know, I believe in a democracy that supports our people. I believe our taxes should be supporting our citizens. 
And I believe that the, the Green Party, with our, our four pillars and ten key values, can lead our country to a greener, cleaner, safer future. All right. Well, on on that uh, that true green note, <laughs> I guess we'll we'll leave it. And we thank you very much. We have Hudson Valley Green Thanks. Party, New York State. Really thank Dan, Dennis Lambert for participating in this conversation. Um, you can visit Dennis Lambert on his website. Um, and yeah, so thank you for kicking off our Meet the Candidate series. And I would ask after we say goodbye that um, members of Hudson Valley Green Party call back on our regular conference call number and we can have a brief chat. All right. So thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks.